This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you all. It's great to be on church this morning to celebrate, isn't it? I don't know about you, but have you ever had a shock in your life? Have you ever had a shock? There's, there's several different kinds of shocks you can have in your life. You can have the shock of surprise, can't you? Any of you know the shock of surprise? If you live in our house, there's always shocks of surprise when, <laughs> when Fionn is around. You know, we like the odd prank in our house, but my daughter Fionn is the king of pranks. She really is. Uh, I'll never forget when we were on holiday and we're in a long car journey. And Sarah falls asleep, and she falls asleep with a iPod uh, head, headset in her ears, and she falls asleep, and she's snoring there. And uh, as she's snoring and sleeping away, Fionn thinks to herself, I'll have her. And so she picks up the phone, guesses the chord, and she's in, because they're so predictable. She turns the volume right up loud goes to a playlist and hits play. And I kid you not, all I can hear is Sarah jump out of her skin out of her sleep as she gets a prank prayed on her. Or the worst one is the one that she does where she's hiding around the corner. Any of you do this one? Hide around a corner when someone's gone to get something and come back. And then literally I've seen Karis jump, jump out, of her, out, out of her skin. And I've seen so many different things happen when we all have a shock. But there's also another kind of shock that happens to us in life, isn't there? Not the shock of surprise, but the shock of some things that happen to us that we never thought would happen to us. Indeed, those of us that have listened to the news overnight, our hearts go out to um, Sri Lankans today that are mourning the loss of dear loved ones. They got up to just go to church this morning. And a terrorist attack is uh, imposed on them. What a shock if you have that phone call. And as we turn to the scriptures this morning on Easter Sunday, it's that disbelief of shock in several ways that I want to share with you today. As we look at the scripture, we look at what happened on Easter Sunday. We're going to turn to John's gospel in a minute, and we're going to look at John chapter 20, and we're going to read the whole of the passage together. And what I'd love you to do, if possible, is put your shoes in the shoes of the people going to the tomb this morning. Put your shoes in the shoes of Mary. Put your feet in the shoes of John that go to the tomb and they discover that Jesus is gone. What a shock. And the reason I want to explain to you this is a shock, because nobody expects somebody to raise from the dead. Look, I know this is Jesus, the, the same Jesus that raises 12-year-old girls that are sick, the daughter of Jairus. The same Jesus that raises Lazarus. But to raise yourself from the dead after a, after a terrible, terrible execution. That's what it was. It was a torturous execution, and Jesus was gone. And so before we read John 20, I want you to put your feet in their shoes. Or shall I say, put your feet in their sandals. Put your feet in their sandals today, and just imagine what it must have been like 
Because first of all, the whole harrowing experience of seeing the person that you love being tortured in that way, being executed in that way, and then Joseph and Nicodemus that are there, the ones that had believed in him, they take him down from the cross and they take him to the tomb and they, they prepare his body with strips and with aloes and with myrrh and all of what's done. And they prepare his body and they put it in the tomb. The harrowing occasion that has been imposed on them that they had the suffering of seeing one of their best friends being tortured and executed like that. Bad enough to see that, let alone on Sunday when they get up early in the morning and they go to the tomb and discover they've been robbed. They have been robbed. Somebody has come and has stolen Jesus' body. Imagine the shock of it. Can you put yourselves in their sandals this morning? Imagine the shock of it when you get there and someone has taken the body. Join with me as we go to John chapter 20 together and read this passage of scripture that starts with bad news but ends with really, really good news. Follow me together. If you've got your phone, flip it up, but it's on screen. John chapter 20, we're going to read from verse 1, a couple of chapters that are here. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I love the way he says this all the way through. The one that Jesus loved. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love this. Not only was the, he the disciple who Jesus loved, but he was also the quickest. And he feels it necessary to write it in there. I got there first, just so you know. Kind of, maybe it's a bit like Fion. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him. He came second. And went straight into the tomb, diving in just like Peter does. What's going on here? He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus says to Thomas in the upper room later, he says, blessed are they that believe and have not seen. It's interesting scripture there, isn't it? That he saw that Jesus was gone and believed. They still, not understand, they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I mean, Jesus had spoken about all of this stuff. He told them time and again, but they just didn't get it. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize 
that it was Jesus. I mean, dead man standing right there. That's what's going on there in that moment. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, if you're the thief, that's basically what she's asking. If you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to his disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. What a remarkable passage of scripture. The message that I spoke to you on Friday night was entitled, Going, Going, Gone. There was a first going of Jesus where he went together with the disciples to the upper room. And he had the last supper, the last supper that speaks of the unity that God wants for each and every one of us in our lives. An unity with him. And then there was a second going, the going that was in the garden of Gethsemane. The going where Jesus had to drink of the cup that was coming to him. Where Jesus had to pre be prepared to lay down his life and it's in that place that he prays God. Oh, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But instead, he goes to the cross and he declares the words on the very next day on Friday. It is finished. And he was gone. A going. A going. And a gone. My sermon title to you this morning is also going, going gone. You see, it's the going of Mary Magdalene to the tomb. And she rushes there early in the morning. And she goes there, but Jesus is gone. And she goes back and she gets Simon, Peter, and she gets John, and they go. And they are going to the tomb, and they discover that Jesus is gone. A going, and a going, and a gone. And Jesus is still gone today, isn't he? Jesus has ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. In fact, there's a going, going, gone still in place today. He has gone to prepare a place for us. That where we are, there, will, there we will be also. He has gone to intercede for us. He is sat, as Hebrew said, at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And the going and the going and the gone happened so that the Holy Spirit could come. And that the Holy Spirit could be our comfort and could be our inspiration in the time that we find ourselves living in today. So I want to tell you this morning that the sermon that you're going to hear today, and in fact every sermon that we've heard since the resurrection, no matter how bad the sermon or no matter how good the sermon is, we can never ever say that it's useless. We could never ever say that it's useless. And I'll explain to you why there are no such thing as useless sermons. Turn to me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to grab this text if I can to string 
our message together here on Easter Sunday together as we just look at this short passage of scripture which talks about the power of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Turn to me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we're going to read from verse 12 to 14 together. It simply says this, but if it is preached, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, what does it say? Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. No such thing as useless preaching. There is no such thing as useless preaching as long as we are people that declare the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that's all that men have been trying to do all the way down the years is to try and disprove that the resurrection is just a fable. That it didn't happen. And in fact, Paul goes on, if you want to read that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 onwards, he goes to give the whole body of evidence that he appeared to Mary, and then he appeared to Peter and John, and then he appeared to over 500 people. Do you think 500 people got it wrong? Do you think so? I don't believe so. Let me tell you one of the main reasons I believe in the evidence and I believe the story of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to be true is simply this. All of the disciples that were following him paid with their lives for following Jesus. And if you want to get a book called The Case for Christ, it's a fantastic uh, book that's written by a, a former lawyer. The book is entitled The Case for Christ and his wife became a Christian and started going to church. And Lee Strobel, as a former lawyer, decided that he was going to try and unpick the whole story of the resurrection power and he, the resurrection story, much like other people have done in history. You know, in, in, 19, in the early, 19th century, uh, early, early part of the 1900s um, and the late part of the, the 17th century, there were two guys, one called Lord Littleton and one called Gilbert West. You can read a writing in a book that's been written for, about them in 1929. You can Google it. Uh, just Google Lord Littleton and G Gilbert West. Littleton with a Y, L-Y. W-T-L-E-T-O-N, Lord Littleton. And do you know what they were? They were students in college together. And they were fed up of all of these Christians that were in the college with them, declaring such things that there was such a thing as the resurrection from the dead and that Jesus had, in fact, been raised from the dead. So do you know what they decided to do? They decided to split up. And they'd go and do this whole study to prove that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a fable and it didn't happen. And they agreed to reconvene together one year later. And one year later, Lord Littleton and Gilbert West get together. And Gilbert West sits Lord Littleton, Lord Littleton down and says, I've got bad news for you. And he says, what's the bad news for you? And he says, well... I went to research all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I'm sorry to tell you, I've discovered that it's all true and I've become a Christian. And do you know what Lord Littleton said? Thank God for that, me too. <laughs> you see, if we begin to open our eyes to all the evidence and all the writings, you see, if it was all just a fable, because the truth always outs in the end, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, they tried to keep Watergate quiet. 
They tried to keep lots of different things quiet, but the truth always outs in the end. But imagine trying to keep a fable about someone being raised from the dead. Imagine trying to pull that one off. The reason the truth has never been outed or the falsehood of the resurrection is because Jesus Christ actually was who he says he was. He was the Son of God, and he came to earth 2,000 years ago, and he did live a sinless life. And he died cruelly on the cross for you and for me. And I know it does not make sense because people rising from the dead doesn't happen every day, doesn't it? Only when Jesus is about, if it involves a 12-year-old girl and a dead guy called Lazarus. But to raise yourself from the dead... But praise the Lord, Jesus rose from the death, dead. Death could not keep its prey. Sorry, did I just say something there? Death could not keep its prey. And we are not as believers here today, someone who believes in some kind of good luck charm, that, oh, it's a nice little fable story that Jesus kind of raised from the dead. He actually rose from the dead. Do you believe it? Do you, I'm asking you a serious question. Do you believe it? We must believe it. Otherwise, preaching becomes useless. And your faith becomes useless too. But we are not of those that are miserable. I love it, don't you? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if we have no faith, I love the King James Version, he says, we are of all men most miserable. Oh, I hate miserable people. Do you hate miserable people? You know the kind of people, the kind of people that light up a room when they leave. <laughs> miserable people. God forbid that on Easter Sunday of all Sundays there's no miserable people in church this morning. Are there miserable church in people this morning? No. Are there miserable? <laughs> Are there miserable people in church this morning? No. Because he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. So the final thought I want to leave with you as we talk about going, going, gone. is simply the power that's in the resurrection. I want to share three things with you around the word going, if I may. You see, the word going, if you look it up in the dictionary, has three meanings to it. When the going gets tough, the tough get... Does, it Does the going get tough sometimes in your life? Do you know what it's like when shock news comes through to us, maybe, about a loved one that's died? You know, if there's one thing that Jesus promised us, he promised us this. In this world, trouble you will have. Our cursed earth, and there are some people that believe when you become a Christian that, you know, all the Disney swirls come out and all the fairies look after you and the garden is bright and rosy. Oh, my word. I don't know whoever told you that. Following Jesus is tough. It's only proper men that follow God. Only proper men. Men that have character. Men that are warriors. Men that know how to stand. It's only proper men that can have the courage to call themselves followers of Jesus and become a disciple. And he puts it up front to us. He says, you know, if you want to follow me, he says, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. You have to suffer the persecution that I suffered if you want to become my disciple. 
And Jesus lays it all out front. He doesn't hide it. He says you're going to be persecuted by your friends, by your family. There's all kinds of things that's going to come to you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He lays it all out front. And yet for all of the persecution, how many of us here have chosen to follow him? I have decided to follow Jesus. Because one thing I know, the going is rough in life, but the going is even tougher if I try to do it by myself. How many of you know that? That it's easier for us to put our hand in his every single day. And the only reason I can put my hand in his every day, and the only reason the going is no longer tough, the going of the journey that we have in life, you know, the going is, you know, they talk about it as a horse race, isn't it, of, of how the going is, whether the going is good or the going is bad or the going is soft. I'm not a jockey at all to be able to tell you any of that kind of stuff, you know, but all I can tell you is there's this phrase about the going, the traveling of a journey, that our going in Christ is a lot, lot better when we have the resurrection power of Christ at work in our lives. So the first going is the going of the journey as we go through across life's path that our life is far better off with the res resurrection power of Jesus Christ in it. But the second going I want to share with you is the going of going to another destination. You see, someone gets up, but they leave and we say, where are you going? That's what we ask, where are you going? Where are you off? Where are you going? The word going indicates that we are leaving and going from one destination to another. That's what going is. Not just the going of a journey, but the going of a destination being changed. Thank God this morning that our destination has changed. Amen? Thank God our destination has changed. That once we were bound for an eternity without God. That once we were bound for hell itself. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. That he sent his only begotten son to die for us. That if we believe in him, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And we find ourselves going to a different place. Not miserable anymore. But our lives have been changed and transformed. And not only is the life, the journey that we're on easier because we've got his hand in ours and ours in his, but our destination has changed. He has gone to prepare a place for you and for me. And one day we will be together with him. But there's a third going that I'll leave with you. Not just the going of a journey, not just the going of a destination, but a third going, if I may sh share with you, which is the going of price. We call it the going rate. What's the going rate for a pint of milk in Ammonford? Any of you want to guess the price? Because we always talk about these prices that change. Oh, a loaf of bread back in my day. Says some of you here it was three shillings and six or whatever it was or 12p for a pint of bitter back in your day or whatever it is and we all talk about the going rate for prices the going rate the price for you and me was paid on this day it was paid on the cross as we celebrate easter we were set free because he paid a debt that we didn't know we paid a debt that, sorry, I could not pay. He paid the debt that he didn't owe. He paid it for you 
and for me. Going, 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 gone. I pray that you put your faith in Jesus afresh this Easter time, that as faith is renewed by fantastic preaching. So I want you to go home today and I want you to turn around over the dinner table and ask people and say, what was the sermon? What was the preaching like on, on Sunday? I want you to say the preaching was fantastic. I want you to tell them that the preaching was awesome. And the reason I want you to tell them that the preaching was fantastic and awesome, not because of me trying to string two words together, but that the message was renewed in our hearts again today. That the story of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ rang out of our church today. That he is risen. And if he is risen, then our preaching can't be useless. Our preaching can't be useless. And if our preaching can't be useless, then we of all, of all men, we can't be miserable anymore. And your faith is no longer futile. Your faith is active because of the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Are you encouraged this morning? Are you encouraged this morning? And I leave you with this thought. You see... If in life you're going places and you want to go in a particular direction, sometimes we get lost. You need to ask someone for directions, don't you? I don't know, all the way across the globe, in so many different faiths all around the world today, people are looking for direction. They're looking for clarity. If you were people that were of the Jewish tradition, you would point to a person called Abraham, the founder of your faith, and you live everything in the Hebraic tradition, recognizing that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. If you're one of those Jews, they, they refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still looking out for him right now. And they point to the founder of their faith, Abraham, to give them direction on a way to live. You could be here, one of the other faiths in the world is Islam. The founder of that faith, Muhammad. And he has written so many things for all of them to live, for them to find direction, for them to go in a particular journey in their lives too. And there are us as Christians. And the founder of our religion, the founder of our faith, the founder of our belief is the person called Jesus Christ that died for us and rose again. Amen? Amen. Now then, if you need to ask to direct for directions, you can go to Abram and ask him for directions. But Abram is dead. Everyone will tell you he's dead. He no longer lives and he has passed away and he's gone. You could go to speak to every Muslim all over the world and you could ask them about the founder of their faith, Muhammad. And you could all say, where is he? They'll say, he's dead. He's gone. But all over the world, wherever you go, you can meet a Christian in Sri Lanka today. You can meet a Christian in Peru today. You can meet a Christian in Canada, Australia, or anywhere. You'll ask them, where is the founder of your religion? Where is the founder of your faith, Jesus Christ? And they will tell you on Easter Sunday more than any other day. They will tell you, he's alive. He's alive. So you're asking for directions. And you've got a choice to ask two dead men or one that's alive. Who's going to give you the best directions? Who's going to give you the best directions? 
And that's what I love about our faith that is transformative and completely different to any other world faith, religion, or belief system. Listen to this. It's fundamental, this is. Every other faith, every other belief system is for all of us trying to do something to achieve something. Having to live a better life. Having to pray three times a day. Or having to do this, that, and the other. The religious life of doing in order that we can get something. But Christianity is fundamentally different to any other faith. Is that we couldn't do it. There's nothing we could do to purchase our freedom. And that's why Jesus Christ came. It's not about do. It's about done. 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 It's done. The great transaction is done. And we celebrate it on Easter Sunday. Right, are you ready to sing with me? Are you? Are you ready to stand to your feet and praise because he's alive? The stone has rolled away and the preaching was fantastic. And the story is great. So let's take the roof of the house this morning and give him the praise and the glory that's rightly due to his name. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.